Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Marketing, Management, and Money. I'm your host, Ethan Meliori. And I am Ryan Murray. And today we want to do another episode on market research. This is always a hot topic for growing companies. And we find that there's still some confusion about it. And so we're going to try, what we're going to try to do is go through the concepts or the principles of, of marketing. I shouldn't say marketing. I should say market research because there's mm-hmm. a difference between market and marketing. Right. So market research and a real world experience that uh, you've personally been going through, uh, Ryan, just recently with with some stuff you're doing there at, at uh, uh, other parts of your life. So, and w- what I really wanted, you know, when when I first uh, you know suggested that we do another episode on this, we've done quite a bit on market research. But the reason why this particular episode is going to be so critical is it's going to really kind of connect some of those loose pieces that a lot of people have. Because what will happen is people are going to get out there and they're going to start doing market research. They they make simple mistakes like they assume that all research is good research. You know, right, like if, if I have data, therefore it's it's good. Correct. Uh, you know, that's that's a big thing to, to get away from. And we're going to talk about how to decipher, you know, the quality of your data, what data you're going after. Um, but really the usability of the research. How do you get it from the research stage to, to you know, a point where you're actually making decisions off of this? Because I see that so many people they fumble the ball as it were by the time, you know, like they're they're still they're still running for the touchdown, but they dropped the ball down at the, you know, the sixty yard line yeah. and they don't realize that they're just running with nothing and you know, like yeah. that's that that that's what happens with market research. People they get some market research, then they start running their business and they ignore that research or the research is pulling them in the wrong direction or they haven't revalidated the research or they haven't Correct. pivoted because of the research. Correct. You know, so there, there's a lot of variables that are going to go on. So the the goal of this episode is to take the theory behind the marketing research, implement some real, real world examples and mm-hmm. experiences to connect those two. So hopefully as you uh, look at uh, using more market research in, in the growth of your business and the fine tuning of your business that now we've connected a few more dots to make it a little bit, uh, a little bit easier and uh, more effective for you to, to do. So, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is I'm a, a absolute believer that if you're going to do market research, you need to have very clear defined goals and objectives. Okay. And, and it, cause if you don't, then as you get into it, you don't always know what you're looking for in the data. Now I'm actually going to, so I agree with you, but I'm going to challenge some of the terminology because okay, I have a different way of looking at this. And I find that it's been helpful for me. But why don't you start by explaining what you see as a good example of, you know, a clear goal or objective in market research. And then I'll bring it into some of the things that I see that kind of make people think that they have a clear goal. Or the other one that I see a lot is when they don't have a clear goal, so they don't move forward at all. They, they get yes. too hung up on that requirement, and so they stall out. So I'm going to give a... This is a common one that I hear, and you're gonna. You, I know you'll agree with me that this is a vague goal. Hey, we need to we need to go into a new market. Okay, <laughs> expand into new markets. We're in yeah. growth mode. <laughs> yes, so we need some new markets to go into, and then that's what they're looking for. That's that's the the only thing that they're looking for is potential new markets, and they go and pull research and some GIS and other things, but they don't look at the details that break down farther when we talk about a new market. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about a new market, we're talking about 
uh, we want to look at some demographics, the number and quality of customers. Okay. So can, can, can I even back you up yeah. for just a yep, second? Um, when we talk about new markets, one of the things that I think is uh, very valuable is understanding your existing markets first because yes. th- there are two things here. One is, have you really tapped out your existing markets? We all know in marketing it's easier to retain a customer than it is to gain a customer. And that's the same thing with markets in general. It's easier to grow an existing segment than it is to launch into a new segment. And so by understanding your existing market segment, then you can decide whether you should be growing that segment or you should be going into new segments. And it will help you know which new segments to go into because you understand your existing segment. And so I'm going to say, you know... If you don't know where to start with market research, if this is kind of new to you, research what you already know. And that sounds counterintuitive, you know, because it's like, well, I already know who my customers are. I already know what my markets are. I already know what my best-selling products are. Like, "Mm, no, you know what you know, but you don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, getting that that third-party perspective, that outside perspective to really look in and see you know, how much market share do you have? What is your target market? Are you actually going after the correct target market? You know, those kinds of things. And I didn't mean to pull you off because no. this is kind of going no, to, that's down exactly, a little bit of a tangent. <clears throat> no, but that's exactly the conversation I was hoping that we'd have today that as we go through it, see, because we talk about that theory, but now all of a sudden we, we take that step back to say, here's the reality mm-hmm. that, that we got to make sure that this is in check before you look at that new market, because otherwise what happens is when that data comes through for the new market, if you don't understand the existing market and how you translate to that, all of a sudden now uh, you make, well, you're going to make a decision that's going to be financially very expensive right. and may not even pay off. Yeah. So we're trying to avoid avoid that, mm-hmm. okay? Because that's, uh, you know, one of the, you know, we'll talk later on, you know, one of the one of the downfalls to market research is that if it can be costly. So you can't afford to spend a, a whole lot of money on market research and and have it wishy-washy because yeah. because you don't know what you're looking for and you're just chasing the wind per se. So through my experience, I've been doing a lot of market research right now, uh, working with a company, they're uh, expanding internationally, so kind of a big jump. And this is one thing that I want to point out, just because a lot of my examples are going to talk about expanding into international markets, you might be at the point that maybe you're more of a regional player and you want to become a national player. Yes. And and honestly, you should start there. Um, there are a lot of hurdles when you start crossing international boundaries. And so, you know, how well have you dialed in your own backyard and how well do you understand your own backyard? And so so just because, you know, I, I like to use real examples, so I'm going to be using some international examples, but, uh, you know, don't think that, you know, we're advocating or suggesting that you need to be going internationally just to, you know, it's like, oh, well, that's how you have to expand. It's, you know, I'm not a no, real company and, if I'm not international. And, and the same principles we talk about international, interesting enough, uh, do translate between uh, United States, between states, and in other countries between countries, because some, you look at the European Union, they're, they're, in many ways, they function almost like states in some ways, mm-hmm. okay? But the same thing, I always argue that if, if you can do uh, or translate international business or this conversation, 
you'll be able to do business from state to state if you're not already currently doing that. And that's one of those expansion. You're looking at a new market is another state. Uh, another state has different rules, regulations, and laws, just like another country does. So uh, I'm, I'm going to bring in an analogy here to help me wrap my head around this. Uh, my daughter, she does the archery team, and she's actually very good at it. Uh, she plays pretty high in the state competition, and I'm you know, pretty proud of her. But they do it at 10 meters, and then they do it at 15 meters. And the interesting thing about 15 meters is 15 meters showed the mistake she was making at 10 meters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you get farther back, those minor, you know, minor mistakes that you're making have big impact on the target because of that added distance. And so as you grow, as you expand, you know, you might be able to be sloppy in your local markets because right. you have a local reputation, but you can't take that same sloppy attitude into, you know, bigger markets and international markets. And so as we've gone through this process of international, honestly, probably the, one of the best things we've gotten out of it is uh, cleaning up a lot of the stuff that we do with our national markets. We're like, oh, yeah. We need to do that because, you know, it, it was exposed by looking into that international research, um, but then we found it for the national. But I, I want to jump back on something before I lose this thought, and I'm kind of pulling back for a second. Um, you, you talked about how uh, market research can be costly. So in our experience, the cheap research projects from third party is coming in a couple grand, you know. Right, and, correct. And, and so – and all the way up to five, ten thousand dollars um, now, mind you, uh, so in our experience, we went through four different sources, and some of those were government entities that they had some some ways of offsetting those costs, and so we were only paying a few hundred dollars all the way up to private international that were several thousand dollars, you know, upwards of of $10,000 is what they were charging. I had one, uh, we didn't end up going with this one, but, uh, you know, they wanted a monthly retainer of, I believe it was $6,000. Ouch. Yeah. (laughs) So, ouch. So, so anyway, it can be very costly. So what we're talking about here, you know, if you've never done research and all of a sudden someone hits you up and they're like, well, that's going to be $500. And you're thinking $500. That's cheap. That's cheap. Yeah. It's very, very cheap. So I just want to put that in perspective as we're talking about some of this information. Okay. So let's, so a little bit about, you know, well, we started with, you know, define uh, and have very clearly defined goals and objectives. So as you go into this one, which means that there's some back homework you got to do. And, and we'll talk more about that back homework because, uh, that became a critical piece as you were going down this process. But now I want to talk about uh, uh, this piece of market research, and that is this brand recognition or how do your um, current customers perceive your product Ooh. in relationship to yours, okay? Because too often that people take that, we're doing market research, I'm looking for a new market, but we haven't done anything. So this would be more what I would call internal, so more marketing type stuff versus, I'm going to, for easy definition, market would be external. Marketing tends to be more internal in the things that we do. But we have to have some marketing research, and that is we want to understand our product and and how our customer's perspective and ours different because they always are different. Mm-hmm. But the closer we can get those aligned, the the better we are when it comes to understanding market research as it comes in. And I know you had a a really interesting uh, experience with understanding your perceived value and, and a European union member 
perceived value. Yeah. So, uh, so, so the product that we're looking at, um, it's manufactured and uh, the way that this company manufactures it is they use primarily plastic components. And one of the issues that we found out was that in Europe, uh, plastic, even though you can show scientifically that the plastic is going to hold up, it's going to be rigid enough, they want metal. And so there's a customer perception and uh, we actually had one of the um, one of the potential buyers say that they will not carry the product for the sole reason that it has too much plastic and not enough metal. And so that that was a very interesting thing. Now, what I want to point out with this example of our experience of what we had was that none of the research showed that there was a distinction between plastic and metal. And so, because if, if you think about what is research, you know, like when we hired these firms, what are they looking for? They're looking for, so, so one of the reports that we got was we got the amount of dollars spent on, you know, our industry, in our industry, in different countries uh, throughout the world. And, you know, just because dollars are spent there doesn't mean that they will spend them on your product or your service. And so we had to do a combination of secondary and primary research. And so we took secondary research to try and pin down what we were focusing on. And then once we pinned it down, we used primary research to literally talk to people and brought samples in and said, what do you think about this and what do you think about that? And that's where we found out that, you know, metal components were a critical piece in, you know, in this industry for making sure that, you know, that, that the European Union would accept it, whereas the United States already did accept it. Yeah. So fascinating example of, of understanding, because it, if you would have never pursued that, I mean, uh, you could have counseled that company to send a whole lot of product because, hey, we fit the niche only to find out that, uh, now it's sitting over there and I have other logistic problems that I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And that simple uh, little bit of research was important. Now, I want to talk just for a second as a refresher for our listeners. Uh, primary research, secondary research, quantitative and qualitative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we use those four terms in there. Um, we probably should. And, and I want to make sure that everyone's on the same page because uh, you uh, you may have forgot about those, or you may not know about them. So, refresh your course for the majority of you. If you don't know, then then this will be a good little tip for you to do that. Primary is research that we do on our own. Okay, mm-hmm. so I do a survey, I go visit a customer and ask questions. So it's primary things. We are the primary person doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondary is uh, third party. Generally, someone else is out there doing it. We're we're relying that their data is accurate at some level but it is secondary because we didn't do it. Can, can I elaborate on secondary? Yeah, please. Because there's, there's a piece that you need to understand with secondary, and that is that the research was done for a different reason than for your business. So some of the most popular secondary research would be census data. Yes. And if you think about it, census data, and I'm going to talk about the United States here for a second because I'm not that familiar with other countries' censuses, but uh, in the United States, 
the reason why a census is done is because it is a requirement of the Constitution. So the government stated that they wanted to have a count of the population, and it was for governing purposes. So if you're coming in and using census data for business purposes, that is not the primary reason that that data was created. That data was created for a totally different reason. So you're actually, you're modifying that data. Correct. And... There's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a great way to get a lot of data because there's, you know, millions of dollars that are spent that you didn't have to spend and now you're just getting access to that, you know, if you're if you're subscribing to like a Hoover's database or something and or, you know, maybe you're going through an organization that they have those databases, you know, a lot of that information was not put together for your company, but you have access to it, which is good because it's very, you know, it's efficient to get a lot of data. And it's an easy way or it's a way to have access to data that otherwise you wouldn't have. But you got to be careful because that secondary data can pull you down some wrong tunnels. So just keep that in mind that primary data tends to be more spot on. Secondary is like kind of indirect information. And you got to be careful the inferences you're making with that. Yeah. And that's and that's uh, I'm glad you made that point on the inferences that that we we have way too often people make assumptions they shouldn't make yeah and and that's one thing we always preach don't make assumptions don't make assumptions don't try to read into the data if there's an if there's something that needs to be clarified we dig on that piece until we have good information to where we can now have answers not assumptions Mm -hmm. okay because assumptions are always costly yeah They, they just are uh so briefly qualitative and quantitative are more based on facts but i like to for me the qualitative is always um why, not the what, mm-hmm. okay, of what we're doing it. And then, of course, the qualitative, then we're just looking at lots of data and particularly... You said qualitative. Or, you sorry, meant quantitative. Quantitative. Sorry, thank you. That's why there's uh, <laughs> two of us to keep each other straight. So quantitative, generally, there's lots of data. We're looking for patterns, histories, things like that. So we're going to use a lot of data to help validate what we're looking for on that on that piece of it. And and think about this as well on that quantitative data. That's the stuff that you're going to be putting into calculations. You know, yes. if, if, if you use a lot of Excel spreadsheets where you're using formulas, you're coming up with averages or you're looking for, you know, other other ways, standard deviation type calculations, that's all going to come out of that quantitative. The qualitative might be, you know, someone's opinion or some feedback and you try and group them into categories, but it's a little messier to work with. Yeah, it, it is. Um, so great, great clarity points on those. All right. So now let's talk about now we want to start collecting the data. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to go out and, uh, I know you, there was a couple of things in, in that, uh, project you were looking on that, uh, from the beginning is, as I heard a little bit of chatter about it from you in our conversations that I, where we're done exactly right is one is there were some internal employees doing some digging, mm-hmm. which was really good. I was mm-hmm. really glad to hear that. Um, course then um i always i'm always uh when you're engaged is always a good thing because you're pretty grounded but then they also had some third parties going out collecting data um share your perspective on the value of having some things being done internal 
along with some things, uh, some, I shouldn't say something, some market research being done internal and external. Yeah. So we made sure to implement A-B testing. And so, you know, you're looking at, if you're using scientific method, it's kind of like having a, a, a control group is, you know, basically what we were looking at. And I used internal as our control group. I said, this is what we're capable of doing on our own. And I wanted to base information from third party and see, you know, because now I'm, I'm purchasing this data. I want to see if it's better than what we can just generate on our own. Because on your own, you're going to have some strengths and some weaknesses. The strengths are going to be you understand your product, you understand your market. Uh, you know, when we were talking about target market, so we were looking primarily for a lot of lead generation. That was that was the main objective of this particular market research is we were looking at at lead object or uh, at, at lead generation. And we were also looking at where we could position ourselves in the market. So it was market positioning and lead generation. Those were the, the two main objectives that, that we were looking at here. And so what we did is we said, okay, internally, I want you guys to go out. I want you to dig as best as you can. I want you to find things and just, just put your best foot forward. Now, this is kind of interesting because... Most companies don't have internal market researchers by title. Correct. But you should still implement that internal. You should have people that are good at, uh, at doing research. And, um, you know, who are you looking for when you look for someone who's good at doing research internally? You're looking for someone who is detail-oriented you're looking for someone who has the attention span to, you know, dig into the numbers that doesn't get bored or distracted easily. Yes. You know, I mean, picture your sales guy. What, what, what's a good salesperson? Well, they're usually someone who likes to be, you know, out in front of people. They enjoy talking. They enjoy, you know, networking. Uh, those tend to be terrible market researchers. <laughs> So, you know, play to the strengths and don't be afraid if someone doesn't have a research background, uh, you'd be amazed if they have the soft skills to do research, yeah. you'd be amazed at how quality they're going to be. In fact, uh, in, in our own experience, we found that the soft skills were significantly more valuable than the paid, uh, uh positions. We, we, of all the groups that we did, so... Like I said, we did internally, and then we hired out four different uh, four different market research groups. Of those four that went out, I would say only one of them was better than what I got internally. And so three paid professional market research teams, this is what they do, this is you know supposedly their expertise and their background. Three of them were not as good as what I could get internally. Now, one of them was because they knew how to use the data and access the databases that we didn't have access to. So anyway, there's a huge strength of that internally you're going to know your markets, you're going to know what you're going after, you're going to know what you're looking for. Um, some of the weaknesses are you don't have the same access to the data. 
Yes. And very few people or very few companies have someone who is really good at digesting that much data. And so one of the huge advantages that I got from the external companies is that they were really good at digesting it. Once we had some data, they had some pretty powerful tools that could, you know, take the data. And a lot of times you'll hear the term scrub the data. Yes. Um, you know, and they were good at scrubbing the data for us. And and so there, there was, you know, there's a lot of value there. Okay. Now, now that you have some data coming in, you've gathered it from a few different places. You've been out collecting it. Um, I was going to ask a question, but I think I'm going to hold it and maybe ask you. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm curious. Off the air. (laughs) Because I'm curious. um, You know who who we've been working with. (laughs) So you're like, who's the only one that did a good job? (laughs) (laughs) But um, so you've collected it. Um, which is super important. And I, and the point I want to make about collecting data is collect everything you can. Don't, don't try to collect just, Hey, that looks relevant. That doesn't look relevant. No, collect everything that comes in. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to challenge totally, that a little don't bit. Don't totally disagree with me. I, I, I don't, even though I know where you're going to go with this one. So I'm going to let you, <laughs> I'm going to let you go down that road. The filler is where I'm going to go. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we had one of the organizations that fed us full of filler. Correct. And I was so upset with I was upset to the point <laughs> that I sent him a pretty pretty stern email stating that uh, I wanted a full refund and we were terminating the engagement. <laughs> Uh, because they had done nothing but filler. So one of the things but to how watch did out you, for. No, this is, I want to go back to this question though. Okay. So okay. hold your thought. Okay. Um, how did you know, because this is the piece I try to talk to people every time about that they still don't quite understand. How did you know that it was filler? Ah, uh, okay. okay. Because that's what people need to understand. What, what did you do on the backside and internally, okay, that helped you understand that that was filler, it was fluff to help make you look like they were really, and, and it wasn't as if it wasn't legitimate data, but I like the word that it was filler. It wasn't as relevant as we could have been. And, and why? Because this is so important that people need to understand what you were doing on the backside that, that made this uh, critical. Yeah. So uh, great question. And some of it has to do with, I do have experience in market research. I've done quite a bit of it. And so I knew what I was looking for. So I'm going to try and explain my process as best I can here. But one of the things that I did, so I put uh, an internal guy doing some research and I remember him coming to me and saying, dude, I don't even know what I'm doing. And I said, perfect. Perfect. I want you to not know what you're doing because I used him. And the research that he produced, I will not use his research to actually go into the market. I used him as the benchmark standard. Mm -hmm. I said, if a guy who doesn't know what he's doing can produce this for me, then if I'm going to pay for market research, they better be able to exceed this. So the the first thing that I did is I I gave a benchmark – and, and I just grabbed someone. Now, it, you don't have to grab someone else. You can be the benchmark. If you're going right. to engage in market research, whether it's you or someone that works with you closely, it has to be on your team. Like this is an employee type situation or a business partner type situation. This isn't third party. 
Go out and do some of your own research before you ever hire anyone to do research for you. Go out and just just to get a feel of like how easy is it, do a Google search and see what pops up. Because that was one thing that I saw is I came back and I'm just like, you know how like they didn't do a Google search, but what they did is they did a, a quick database search. So a common thing that you can do, this is so easy to do. If you have a NAICS code, that's North American Industry Industry Classification System, all right? And internationally, there are some different numbers that you would go with, you know, like the SICK codes or different things like that. But for the most part, NAICS code is kind of what, what we go off of. So when you have a NAICS code, you can go to most universities, most small business development centers, most economic development offices. Yes. You can give them that NAICS code and you can say, hey, give me a list of businesses in this geographical area that have this NAICS code. And about 20 minutes later, they can provide you that list. And you really should do this regardless. Like this is a great starting point is just grab the NAICS code that pertains to you. Get your NAICS code mm -hmm. and search that one. Find out who your competitors are and then get the NAICS codes of your top customers, especially if you're a B2B situation. If you're not a B2B situation, uh, you know, if you're a B2C situation, then, you know, you're looking at your NAICS codes. You're looking at... Um, you know, NAICS codes of people that are in related industries, you know, support industries, and and you're just finding, you know, you're finding what they do. And then when you get into NAICS codes, I mean, you can drill down to different levels. And so try different levels, you know, some that are higher level that, you know, that, that are kind of a broad reach and some that are a little bit dialed in. But anyway, so you just take this code and you take it to like a small business development center and you say, hey, pull up all of the companies within this geographical area and they'll give you a list of 200 and be like, boom, there you go. Once you have that and you can see that that took 20 minutes, that again is a benchmark you can go off of. And that was what I noticed with this company is I'm like, you did a quick data search for me. And one of the things that I see, so professional companies love to put pictures into market research. Pictures are mostly filler. <laughs> pictures are to try and look. They have a template that they use and that template has places of here you insert some pictures and they'll steal them off of websites or different things like that. And it makes the report look a lot more professional. You know, I mean, it's kind of like having a, a cover page right. on your, your research, uh, you know, paper that you had to turn in in high school. Well, the cover page just makes it look professional. It kind of just buttons it up and cleans it up. But that, you know, the body of the research, the content is, is all in the paper. And, and so... You know, that's what I was looking at is I'm like, okay, these pictures, what exactly are they showing me? And they didn't show me anything of value. The search that they had done was a quick search. They had spent about 30 minutes and wanted to charge me full. And I'm like, you guys didn't actually do any research. And I called them on it. I pulled up the agreement that we had signed and I pointed out everything that was listed in the agreement. That's another thing that you're looking for. Like a professional company is going to give you deliverables. And pay attention to what those deliverables are because, man, bait and switch happens a lot. <laughs> and so, you know, you make sure that they match the deliverables. There's nothing wrong with asking for sample deliverables before you ever engage with them. You know, if they say, say that they're going to give you, uh, a, you know, a heat map and you're like, I have no idea what a heat map is. Just say, can I get a sample heat map? 
And then they'll show you a sample heat map. And you yeah. can link it to that NAICS code again and say, okay, I want to see a sample heat map for, you know, my NAICS code. And they'll provide it and be like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be looking for. And then you can get an idea of whether they're actually delivering on the deliverables. So I really like the fact that, that you had done that low, what we call the low-hanging fruit-of-market research, mm. because then you knew when someone was feeding something back whether or not they were really invested in what you were going to do. Yeah. And you're in, in providing good data that got deeper to get you to those answers that you were looking for. So, so I, I'm glad you shared that the, the back homework that you were doing set that base for you. So moving forward as, as research was coming in, you knew the value of it. Yeah. You, knew, you knew how it was. Can, can, can I point something out going to your comment of you said, you know, keep all your data. And I came back and I said, you know, you don't want yeah. the filler. There's a difference between filler and there's a difference between the funnel. So, you know, if you're oh, trying right, right, to right. get three leads, you better start with, you know, a hundred prospects right. to get to those three leads. And so quality market research they're going to give you a ton of information knowing that a lot of that is not going to be directly related to you, but they got to funnel it down to what is. And so, you know, to your point of, yeah, you actually want to start with really big data sets and then scrub them down to smaller data sets. Uh, I think that's, that's important to distinguish between that and filler. Filler is just saying, I'm just taking the easy way out and just coming up with data for the sake of data. Yeah. Well, my experience is that when, someone instantly says new market um, that there's so many variables inside that new market of, of things that you would not have thought of that keeping the market and starting as you scrub that down, looking at those key characteristics to find, Hey, wait a minute, this piece keeps coming up. Maybe there's something relevant to this that we have never considered as we've been expanding into this new market because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And your, your best market researchers, you know, I'm talking third party here and even internally, but your best market researchers will always give you something that you're like, huh. Yes, that's I right. never thought about that. Yeah. So that that's another indication of quality research is it's getting you thinking in different directions. And, and I like uh, in in the market research world, we call them librarians in some ways. They, they don't know what they're really looking for. They're just providing data. Mm -hmm. Those are the best ones because they don't come in with assumptions. Yeah. So th they're good. Okay, now we're gonna kind of kind of close this up a little bit with analyzing the data because that's the part that always <laughs> makes me super nervous <laughs> when you start have to analyzing and saying, okay, how how do we get to the point where we know this is relevant? Because if if we mess this up, you know, I mean, one of the one of the reasons why we do market research is to minimize risk. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as we start to analyze that, share anyway, share some of your um, inside on that piece that became critical for you. So one of the things that I did on the front end with all of my third party teams, even internally, but what I did with them is I went to them and I said, okay, we want to expand into international markets. And for me, a win is when I am able to schedule a meeting with a potential buyer in an international market. So that's the goal here is I'm trying to schedule a meeting with a potential buyer. Now, notice a couple of things here. First off, I didn't say my goal was that I wanted to do $5 million in sales in the EU. And the problem with goals like that is you're getting too broad. Like, you know, I did a goal that was much more digestible of saying, I just want to be standing in front of a potential buyer. They might say no. 
you know, but that's not the fault of the market research. That's, you know, maybe I'm not priced right. Maybe I don't have the right product mix. Maybe I didn't sell it very well. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of variables. And so try and pick a goal that is tied to the market research, not tied to the entire growth strategy, right? So once they had in their mind, they're like, okay, so your goal is to get in front of somebody. Then the next thing that I did is I gave them my path for success, And so I told them, I said, hey, in U.S. markets, this is how I get in front of somebody. And I would literally explain, okay, this is how we need to start. This is what we need to do next, you know, and I would try and get make that process. So in their mind, they're like, okay, I know where we're trying to go. I know a process that has worked in another market. Let's see how easily this will translate into, you know, these different markets, these new markets. And so they had something that they were working toward. Going back to a comment that you made, you know, where you're just like, hey, you know, we need to expand into new markets. It's so broad that Mm -hmm. it's impossible for a market researcher to provide quality data because it's just there's too much. And I I mean, the amount of data that's out there and it keeps growing exponentially, you know, it's it's just mind blowing, like how many terabytes of information is uploaded every second on the internet you know i mean there's just information right and so having those clear objectives and then with those clear objectives like what's the outcome that you want and that's where i've been the most successful is when the researchers understood the outcome understood their part of the outcome understood what wasn't their part of the outcome like they're not the ones scheduling these appointments for me correct And so, you know, they understood, okay, our job is to give you leads that you can then follow up with, whether you get that appointment or not, that's really on you, but we need quality leads, you know, to make that happen. And so, and that's where we are in the process, you know, this is an ongoing, it takes time, you know, I mean, that's, that's something to realize. First off, market research is ongoing, like you should always be doing something. And that's the point that I was hoping you were going to get to when we analyze the data, the data may open up to say, we need more market research on this specific point. Mm-hmm. Don't assume that the data that you have now that you're starting to analyze it is all that you need. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that point up because that's what I was hoping you'd say, yeah, it is ongoing and it's changing. And that's the beauty of the, the market research that, that as things come up, we have to explore that. Otherwise, we find ourselves in trouble again. Well, and okay, so... Why don't you take a second? And I know we said we were going to wrap it up. We are going to wrap it up. We promise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Such a good topic. So much content here. Why don't you take a second and just talk about the culture of market research? Because I know you work with a lot of companies that you try and get them engaged in, you know, always researching, but not getting stuck in this quagmire. Like how, how do you keep fresh with research without just getting bogged down and stuck in the numbers and you can't even think anymore? Um, that's a great question. Um, for me, it's not hard because I love the numbers, Mm -hmm. but for some people, if you're not a number person, you're right. That happens easily. Mm -hmm. So, uh, generally the, the, the processor that I like the word culture that uses, we go through that is that I'm always looking for data that I didn't know. Okay. I have to assume. And and matter of fact, I, here's a, here's a piece that maybe I want to have you answer and we may not have time, but you know, the things that you learned as you did international uh, research looking to expand because 
um, you know, the point that I want to bring out with something like that is that you can't assume that we do business the same here as they do there. Right. Okay. Well, that's the problem that we come into market research too often with is we we're assuming that when we look at these different areas that they're the same as ours. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the number one mistake that most people make and, and trying to teach people that you need to unlearn to learn. Yeah. Okay. You have to get rid of what you currently know and those assumptions. If you want to really understand what's really going on there with their, uh, economics, their cultures, their various demographics, okay, the way they do business, okay, mm-hmm. um, you have to throw all that out the window. And the sooner you can get uh, a business owner, manager, et cetera, that's doing the market research to, to embrace that, the better the market research com- becomes and the more pr- uh, prolific they start to find it and the more profound it becomes. Yeah. And so I, I think that... You know, what I would like to add to that is this wash, rinse, repeat yeah, concept. Yeah, great. That's um, a way to simplify what I just said. <laughs> you made it all complicated. No. Uh, I uh, I was in a meeting the other day, and uh, I, you know, I, I, I was talking with this, with this group. They were trying to do product development. And one person said, they're like, well, what did the research say? And I, my heart just just burst. I'm like, Oh, because one of the mistakes that people make is they'll do the research. They make an assumption off of the research and then they file the research away Mm -hmm. and then they Mm -hmm. just get going down the project. And I'm like, no, 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 you should be checking in with the research constantly. And so, you know, if you're on a project, whether, whether it's a marketing expansion, whether it's a, you know, product development or a service development, you know, whatever this project is, if you haven't asked yourself in the last week or two, what does the research say, then you're off base. You know, you might be off base by a little bit. You might be off base by a lot, but you are off base because you need to keep going back to what the research says. So that wash, rinse, repeat. And that's, you know, so on this international thing, man, there's so much that I don't know about it. And so we keep going back to the research and we keep asking the question, what does the research say? What does the research say? What does the Mm -hmm. research say? And if we get going down a path and our primary research contradicts our secondary research, sometimes we find that that secondary research wasn't what we wanted. And then we go back and we get better research. We say, okay, this approach was the incorrect approach, you know. And so there's, there's a lot of trial and error, but it's scientific trial and error as opposed to haphazard trial and error. And so just because you have market research doesn't mean you have all the answers, doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes, but it does avoid some of those costly, costlier mistakes. And it does get you to the right answer a lot faster. Yeah. So wrapping it up, um, we've put a lot of good information out there, um, give you some time to digest it. But uh, why, you know, just keep in mind, we do market research because we want to understand, you know, new markets or things about us and our product. Uh, we certainly do it because we're trying to minimize those risks mm-hmm. um, that may be involved in that. Um, you know, and I like, you know, you, this is a common one, you know, when we look at threats and opportunities, things like that, but those are internal and external. Keep that in mind. Um, but don't forget about the challenges. Okay. Because um, it, market research, we forget too often that good research is slow. Yeah. Okay. 
it, it takes months to do that. And as you know, some people come in, I got to have this next week for the, for this loan or whatever else. And yeah, it isn't going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah, I can get you low hanging fruit, but don't put much weight on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and so don't, don't cheat it to speed it up either. That yeah. that's a world of hurt for you. Yeah. So market research tends to be a little bit slower especially as you get into it, there, there certainly is always generally costs for the good stuff mm-hmm. um, that really gets you into the meat of the, what you're looking for. And, and also remember that market research, I like how you said wash, rinse, repeat, not only from the data that we're coming in, but because people change, economies change, cultures change, things are always in change. And that's the reason why we always, we're always doing mm-hmm. it to keep up to date and, and developing with what's going on out there with technology and other things in and of itself. So, yeah. So I'm going to give a piece of advice and uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up with that. If you've never done market research and I know companies that have been around for decades that have never done formal market research. If you've never done it, try it. Just get, give it a, give it a roll of the dice, you know, see what happens. Cause I can tell you the most successful companies engage in regular market research, period. They do. Yeah. So, okay. With that, I think we're going to wrap up for the day. Thank you so much. You guys were awesome. And uh, we'll catch you next episode. Thanks for joining us. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. And make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.